Hello, I'm Roslyn Palmer and welcome to another episode of Monkey Business, the podcast that aims to go behind the habits of hugely successful leaders and coaches and entrepreneurs to understand what is it about their monkey brain, that mind chatter that we all have, that they are able to tame Why have they been able to tame their monkey brains? How do they make that mind chatter work for them to become kings and queens of their own particular jungles? And today I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by high performance coach Katie Stoddard. Hello, Katie. Hi, Rosalind. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're more than welcome. In fact, I missed the bit in your um, introduction about being award-winning and about being international. And I was particularly interested in the international because not only do you have an international clientele, but you're very international yourself. Um, I've met you in a high-level mentoring group. And I have to say, for several weeks, I was like, where is she from? I'm not quite <laughs> being able to, to place it. But I think what really the international part for me showed is that you have a very wide scope of vision in terms of what you bring to your clients and the kind of clients that you're comfortable with dealing with. So in terms of high performance coaching, obviously there are some key principles and in terms of your own mindset and mind chatter and focus is probably the key one how do you work on focusing your own mind to bring out the best in your clients and then allowing them to be the best they can be Katie yes that's a really good question and I'm thinking it's interesting that you ask how I focus my own mind to bring out the best in them. That's sort of a bit of a twist compared to the usual question. I think in my case, I do allow that extra time and pause before any session with the client, meditate a bit, go to a really calm inner state so that I'm really able to tap into whatever the client is going through and really dig deeply <laughs> I find that general in general being a coach is like being a detective and we have to dig for all the clues and so if you're not fully calm and totally present it's not possible and of course by being calm and focused this also transmits the energy to the client and it also helps them to then be more focused be more grounded so that they can go deeper and introspect further yeah, I mean, I, as you know, I've been on Clubhouse quite a bit, and it's that American term of hold space for it's terribly popular. I don't think you can go in a Clubhouse room without somebody going, I'm holding space. But really, that is what it's about. It's about creating that safe space where they're being held. And like you say, you're calmly being the observer. I don't know if you remember the old Detective Columbo years ago, but he was always the one that would look like he didn't have anything on his mind. He was listening intently and then he'd ask the killer question or he'd suggest that they go and do the kind of fingerprinting on the bit of the wall that nobody else had looked at. So I like the fact that you you talk about being a detective. Um, so you're passionate about focus and you are high performance. What What is your definition of a high performance coach then? Yes, that's a really good point because a lot of the time people think that high performance simply means high income. And though I'm not against that, this generally comes as a side effect of the work that I do. So mostly I focus on time, energy and attention management 
and with this also focus and leadership skills. So instead of only focusing on our outcomes, we keep them in mind, we work on them, but at the side, we're looking at how is my client managing the energy? How are they managing their attention during the day? Do they have a very clear direction? And then, of course, there's also a lot around mindset, how they're dealing with their perfectionism or control issues or fears. And once you work on all of these things, it's almost like magic, the results and the finance they just take care of themselves. So that's why I like to think that peak performance does include that part, but that's not what I work on most. Most of the clients I work with, they have a strategy for their income. They have their business goals. They know what they're doing, but they need help with everything else. <laughs> and everything else has an impact on their business growth. And I suppose a lot of the everything else is they don't quite know how to deconstruct that. They know that there's something stopping them from having or maybe they've got it but they're not enjoying it or that journey seems really difficult and of course people will put a term on it like oh it's because I self-sabotage or I procrastinate and I'm not saying they aren't real things of course they are and a lot of them are their stories but what I'm hearing from you is that it's much more nuanced so are you unpacking stuff that they don't even know that they've got and they're carrying around? Is that true? Yes, absolutely. All the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How do you go about that? Again, in your mind, because everybody's stuff will be different. So I've come to you. I've gone, Katie, I want to perform much better. I want to either increase my income or my visibility or my enjoyment or I need 26 hours in the day because I don't get everything done or I never seem to have any downtime whatever it is the reason I turn up how do you then think right I'm going to deconstruct their baggage and help them even though they don't know what it is how do you set about that Katie? I think I use my analytical brain. That's where my engineering background does help me. I listen to all of it. So ideally, if I have a very talkative client who tells me a lot of things in 10 minutes, it's actually quite easy because the main point will come up several times. So you'll notice that they'll say a few things that's sort of the fluff or maybe the surface, but then the key element will come up a couple of times and maybe there'll be a body language linked to this or hesitation or there's something about them where you feel okay this is the key point and then you go back to that so then you say okay you mentioned in that 10 minute or 15 minute this specific element let's look a bit further what's going on here was getting in the way you know what would it look like ideally and you deconstruct those specific elements. And I talk a lot about what you bring to the party as a coach. And of course, you bring your training, you bring your, as you'll say, holding space and your attention. You just mentioned your background. And I, I don't want to dwell on your background because I'm, I'm talking to you in the context of coaching and what you bring from people. But what were the transferable skills apart from that analytical skill that you think you brought from your engineering background? Yes, analytical for sure. Also in terms of organization and structure and even the way I package things. And even actually in my own structure, when I started my business and as I grew my business, being very organized about the way I go about things and even things like analytics for social media or keeping track of numbers, uh, all the number side of things and Excel and 
You yes. love all that, don't you? <laughs> I do. And it's interesting because I love all this left brain things, but I also love all the creativity and creating content and writing my book. And yeah, so I love both the structure and the creativity a lot. Yeah, I'm very left brain, right brain as well. Um, I don't particularly love an Excel spreadsheet, I must say. <laughs> um, although I have a, de- a degree. I have a degree in English, but I have an A-level in economics. And I've been a board director many times when I had to go through those spreadsheets. But I have to say, it's not my default option, <laughs> but I can do it. How did you get interested in peak performance yourself? Big performance really became one of my key interests when I started my own business as a coach. And at first, it was about productivity. At first, it was I didn't know how to manage my time, how to manage my priorities, what to delegate, what to eliminate. So the beginning was really all about productivity. And the more I dug into productivity, the more I saw that there was a bigger picture, which is peak performance, where we're looking also at our energy levels. We're looking also at the mindset. Well, also tapping into some self-leadership skills. And that was really the bigger umbrella. And that felt a lot more interesting to me than just productivity. I mm. love productivity, but peak performance is a big picture and that I love even more. <laughs> is peak performance in the Tony Robbins analogy, knowing which screw to turn? He tells this really, I don't know if you've heard this story about I think it was when UPS set up the parcel delivery service. Um, it, it could have been UPS, one of the others. And they were the first one to have a hub. And they had all these aeroplanes waiting in the hub and all these conveyor belts waiting to take all the parcels out. And they all stopped. And they they, they are losing thousands every minute. Um and they call somebody in to come and fix the conveyor belts. He kind of wanders around for few minutes opens a warm panel turns a screw all the conveyor belts go the manager is delighted and he goes please give me your bill and he gives him a bill for ten thousand pounds and he goes that's outrageous you know you've only been here like 10 minutes and it took you 10 minutes to get here and the guy goes shall i break it down and he goes yes and he goes call out charge and it's something like you know 500 pounds time at the site a thousand pounds Say it adds up to 9,000 or 1,000, knowing which screw to turn, 9,000 pounds or dollars. And I love that story because that's the peak performance, isn't it? It's all those little adjustments, those little screws. Yes, I love this. I might use this analogy when talking to people because it's exactly that. And that's why it can be hard to explain to people specifically because it might be different screws for different people. So for some, it might be boundaries. They might have really terrible boundaries for themselves, their business, their relationship. And once they put these clear boundaries in place, they suddenly have more time, they suddenly have more energy, the results go up. So for them, that was boundaries. For someone else, it might be fear. They have a fear that their business won't give them the turnover they need so it paralyzes them they tap into control and as soon as you work on fear it's like oh, everything liberates so different screws for different people but I love this it's knowing which screw to turn yes so you're a screw detective <laughs> screw detective <laughs> great <laughs> your analytical brain works out which screw are we going to turn I love that yes yes that, I love it too that, that's your new new job title and of course, once you've liberated that, once you've 
created the convey about moving again to go back to our analogy there's an enhancement isn't there there's a there's a magic there's a tapping into that magic that we have within us how do you bring that out in people katie one of the areas is a zone of genius. So I believe that we're so much more fulfilled in our business when we're doing things that really match both our expertise and skills, but also our enjoyment. And I feel like you said that the magic reconnecting with the magic comes a lot from doing as much work as possible in the zone of genius. And if possible, once finances are all you know safe and assured, delegating, outsourcing, eliminating pretty much everything else except the bare necessities that you can't delegate. This is one re way in which I find that it can really help us to tap into that magic and be fulfilled. And another area is working and living with intention. So as soon as we turn off this autopilot and look at how we want to live each and every day, each and every week, it's so refreshing. And this really makes us connect both with our work, but also with our daily life on a, on a whole other level. It's so different when we start to really, really live with intention. So in a way, that's an enhancement with people. They come to you, they're, I want to do this. I don't know what's stopping me. Columbo puts his raincoat on and he does the detective work and deconstructs what that baggage is, then works out because of that what screw to turn to help them. And then you're enhancing them with that extra magic, that extra... This is where you should operate. Peak performance, I suppose, and in sporting terms, that, that would also be. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? Yes, I love it. Every time I go to talk with a potential client, Rosalind, I'll bring you on and you'll explain the detective, the turning the screws, the enhancement. Perfect. Exactly. That's exactly what I do. Well, that is my zone of genius, just so you know, Katie. But, um, <laughs> I And the reason I've been so in demand as a writer and a broadcaster about emotional well-being particularly is my background in PR and clear communications. And so I'm able to take often what seems very confusing and complex and make it simple. And it took me a long time to work out that that's my zone of genius. That is Amazing. what I do. I, I take quite complicated things and I make them very understandable. Wow. Um, yeah, and I need to do more of that, really. So, <laughs> when again, going back, engineer to coach, what what was the, the, the screw turning point or the tipping point that led you to think, I, I want a change of career, I want to be a coach, and why did you want to be a coach? The tipping point, I think, was linked to people. So I loved on the boats. I loved meeting people, talking to people, talking about their problems. I thought about being a naturopath for a while because I like natural remedies. And it was really people and helping them a lot more than data and analytical and software. And I just found it so much more rewarding and enjoyable. And I felt this huge connection. Also, when I was leading teams on the boat, that my favorite part was the teams and the conversations a lot more than the actual work I was supposed to do <laughs> the rest of the time. So that was really the tipping point. And then I discovered coaching and it totally met my passion, I think, both with people and then a bit of the analytical mindset with the goal setting and then more creativity in terms of content and personal development. And I remember when I discovered it, I'd never heard of coaching and it was 
it was sort of a miracle. It was sort of like, how did I not know about this? Like, why didn't someone tell me? It was sort of this hidden secret when all along it just it felt so right. I remember having this feeling and I was already into personal development without knowing that this was a term. So I was always trying to improve myself and maybe exercise more, learn a new language or read a lot. But I didn't know the term personal development. So when I discovered personal development coaching, Oh, there are other people who set, you know, goals before they turn 20 or 25 or I always was setting goals and failing because I didn't have a proper way of doing so. Um, so, yes, that's was how I sort of decided to go into coaching. And anybody listening to the podcast, because I'm, I'm very aware that, you know, we are super familiar with being coaches because we are coaches and, and award winning coaches. So clearly we're doing something right. I think I need coaching. People keep saying what a good idea it is, but how do I know that uh, who I should work with or even what that's going to be? They've now got this understanding, hopefully from listening to us, about what some of the process would involve. What are the kind of results they can expect? What are the kind of results that, that you get with your clients, Katie? Yes, great question. So, some of my clients, it's really about getting rid of that feeling of overwhelm. So a lot of the time I see it as I reduce or eliminate totally that overwhelm. Some come to me when they may be not close, close to burnout, but getting yeah. if they continue down that road, they will get burnt they out. Heading for it. Yes, heading. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not too close, but in that direction. So totally reducing that overwhelm so that it can have a really great picture and clarity about where they're going and then start implementing those steps and yes so totally eliminating the overwhelm that's one of the results but with other clients it's more about actually putting in place all those steps to optimize yeah, optimize it yeah the structure optimizing their life maybe their fitness routine maybe their you know how they manage their business outcomes what to outsource it's really just looking at the whole picture and like you said finding the screws finding what's off and looking to be fully fulfilled in the business but also having that balance hence sometimes that boundary issue or that perfectionism so yeah the ultimate result would be balance peaceful fulfilled in your business <laughs> and we talked within our group the other day because I think I threw it into the conversation about the elephant in the corner of the room that sometimes what people think they want or what people turn up saying they want isn't really what they want um you know, I, I want to address my peak performance. It's all about me having a better routine. I need to understand my why. I need to get my mojo back. I need to bring my magic back. I need to have more energy. Oh, I'm not going to mention the fact that I'm in a toxic relationship or, you know, I'm really not even going to address that. How do you navigate those eggshell, more difficult areas, Katie? I think it, it comes with time. So the first few sessions might still we might still discuss the sort of areas that they came for originally, but after a while it creeps in. So it always comes up. And also between my sessions, I send in forms that they fill in, things on their mind, what's going well, where they're struggling. So this also gives me idea of maybe other areas we're not talking about. And once something comes up a couple of times and you've built that sort of trust, then it's easier to maybe do an entire session, whether it's on a relationship or something else that's really preoccupying them so we can remove this obstacle out. and move forward. 
So if somebody's listening, I mean, without you sharing your form, because clearly that's with your clients, but what kind of questions could they be asking themselves for that sort of clarity? Yes, that's a great point, because the more introspection we do and the more journaling and the more we ask ourselves these questions, the easier it is to move forward. There's two ways of looking at what sort of questions to ask ourselves. One is how are things in the present moment? So what are you struggling with? How are you feeling? How are your energy levels? What you know obstacles do you feel are happening right now? What's on your mind? What's bothering you? What's going great? What are you celebrating? This is the present. And then you can look either a bit in the past, not always super useful, but maybe what was great the last three months? What are you really happy about? What have you accomplished so far? And then looking at where you want to be. So thinking, okay, in three months from now, what would an ideal day be like? Or what would my business look like? Or how do I want to manage my time daily? Or what sort of boundaries do I want to have so work doesn't go into my life? Really, when you look at past present and future it starts to give you a clear idea of okay this has gone really well in the past I can maintain it this is a lesson learned from the past I can use it (laughs) this is what's going on right now this is fantastic this I want to work on looking at what you want to work on putting the steps in place to reach those goals love it and I love the clarity of that and I I think it's really tangible for people listening as well because as I I said before I think coaching can sound all a bit nebulous and what what is it what's happening what can I expect when I sign up so you work both individually and in groups with your clients is that correct Yes. So I have VIP coaching where I only work with maximum five people because I want to have that extra space. I'm also fully available for them via email during the week. So I want to be very conscious that I'm fully present for them. So I only work with five people VIP. And I also recently uh, launched my Focused Entrepreneur Academy where I work with groups of business owners and we do a session every two weeks. And then we go through each topic in depth and there's also tools in between some follow-up so those are the two ways and I also do workshops for companies (laughs) also sometimes what are the kind of topics that you're going through in your academy the first one is about balance so we're looking at purpose that's probably where we begin so really purpose the vision the mission because until we're really clear on all of this it's hard to move forward then productivity a lot around you know time management attention management and all the productivity stuff because I spent years really just focusing on productivity and then there's the performance metrics of the business so looking at the tangible outcomes and tracking it because a lot of the time people don't have for example a weekly review or monthly review and they don't actually track their progress Mm -hmm. then there's energy so then I go through the nest of you know nutrition exercise sleep and time out but really people know the concepts but implementation is always another matter so it's one thing knowing that one should exercise or meditate but doing it is very different so this is where we really implement it and the last part is around leadership so it's expansion and this is self-leadership and leading teams for people who have teams so these are the sort of three main pillars that we go through in the group so do you hold people accountable are you that kind of a coach or do you work on the principle that they should be quite grown up about their own accountability how do you how do you balance that 
in the with the VIP clients, this will depend on the client's preference. So when I work with my VIP client, I tailor everything to their preference. So if they want extra accountability, I add it. I have some clients who really like it. So I check in with them on Mondays and I ask them how it's going. And so that's what I do with some of them. Other people don't particularly need it or want it and are more sort of independently minded <laughs> and so yeah. then I don't so I won't just do everything the same for all my VIP clients because different people have different needs and in the group there's a form of accountability that come community accountability also comes in the group yes yeah so tailoring it is really the key so is there a question I haven't asked you that you'd like to ask yourself an answer <laughs> <laughs> that's a really uh, interesting question a question haven't as maybe in terms of uh, what topics I speak about most because mm -hmm. I also really enjoy uh, speaking engagement. So the sort of topics I go into and maybe a bit around uh, focus in general because we've spoken about it, but we haven't really gone into why it matters and why I feel it's so relevant. Hmm. So what are those speaking engagements that float your boat? <laughs> Okay, so the speaking occasions are about uh, focus, which we could go into a bit. Also, obviously, about peak performance. And that's where I'll touch on the whole philosophy behind energy and attention management and focus, and then leadership. So pretty similar, actually, to the um, areas in my group coaching. Those are kind of my my top three topics, I'd say, focus, peak performance, and leadership. Yes. You love doing speaking, don't you? Yes, I do. Anyone listening, please write to me. <laughs> I don't accept every I don't accept every single one, obviously, for time management purposes, but it's always wonderful to receive. And if I can, I do try and tailor them, whether it's a podcast interview that's on a similar topic or a keynote speak or a audit or summit. I yes, I really enjoy it. And you have a do you have a TED talk? No, but I'm working on it. I'm hoping next year in Stockholm, I'm going to look when the applications go through. I'd really like to do it uh, with a proper audience and not just screens. And so I've you know, been working on it for a year or so, but I began pretty much at the same time as COVID hit. So doing it face to face hasn't happened yet. But if it if if and when, not if when, I will do it on uh, focus. Excellent. And so here's the next killer question and the final killer question. Is there one question you'd really hate me to ask you and what would that be? <laughs> uh, to be honest, not particularly. I did have a question the other day, which was uh, the very first question at a podcast, which is what is the most interesting fact, you know, uh, that was uh, very puzzling to begin. I, I thought, you know, it would be about myself or peak performance or focus and what is the most interesting fact? So I thought maybe I'll use this in my podcast, but then I thought maybe not because it's pretty hard. What so. did you come up with? My mind went totally blank, to be honest, which is pretty rare because I'm, I'm quite good at thinking on my feet. That that got me, you know, quite far in life. <laughs> and I just, yes, it went blank, I think, because first of all, I was looking for statistics Right. And second of all, I started thinking about books. So all I could think of was the first sentences of books, like L.P. Hartley, the go-between, you know, the pastors of foreign place, people do things differently there. And in the end, I said, uh, the clock is striking 13 is the first sentence of which book is a challenge for your audience. Literally, that's the only thing that came to my mind, first Ooh. sentences of books. And what is it? Is it, let me think, it sounds very like, Oh, it sounds like Aldous Huxley or Kafka or is it Brave New World? Uh, Almost. 
Almost. Uh, yes, I'm in the right ballpark. Yes, yes. <laughs> what is it? 1984. There we go. I was very solar. George Orwell. That would have been my next. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I like T.S. Eliot as well, the four cortex. Time present and time past is all present in time future. Um, you know, the whole metaphysics, if you like, although it's quite a conundrum. Um, and wow, you're so focused. You, I tell you what, you are so focused. <laughs> what we, makes you say uh, that? Well, because you pretty much exhausted all the, you know, having looked at your background and CV and everything, the kind of areas I wanted to take this discussion in. And and normally somebody will kind of go off on a, a, a tangent. You've, you've answered the question so brilliantly. I mean, if there was ever like a public hearing or a select committee, I can see that you'd be the, you'd be the star witness because you'd be like really focused on the thing. But what a fantastic advert you are for what you clearly bring out the best in your clients. Thank you. Um, I just wonder, is there anything maybe on a personal level about this journey as a coach that maybe you found surprising or how it's changed you as a person in your life? Yeah, that's a big question. So I think it, wow, it changed me in so many levels that I, I can't, when I look back and I see myself when I began, I literally sometimes feel like it's a different person. And that's sort of a weird experience in and of itself. I think it, I think what happens is that in general, when you continuously work on your own personal development, whether you're a coach or you have your own business or you're doing something else, it literally starts to tap into and change all the areas in your life. For instance, I was never an early riser. I liked, uh, you know, seeing friends in the evenings, going to bed late. And I remember in the early stages of my business being coached on, I have to get up earlier. I have to get up <laughs> earlier. Like I'm getting up at nine or 10. I can't run a business like this. I want to do my yoga routine. And now I'm just getting up at six and journaling and meditating and exercising. And it's feels easy because I've managed to put these habits in place. I think what I'm trying to say is it really impacted everything, both from of I course am. my business growth and my mindset. I think so differently. When I meet some people and they seem, what's the word, sort of stuck when they think of a potential goal and they think, oh, but I don't know if I'll manage or obviously that's hard. It it always sounds strange to me. I always think, well, of course you'll manage. Or, that's not that hard. I mean, obviously, I have this very can-do mindset that I think I had a bit before. That's probably yeah. how I got into coaching. But I really developed it to the extent now where <laughs> there's no place to hide. So <laughs> if I don't achieve any goals, I know it's in my head. Yeah. So I can't. you can't do the victim thing. You can't say, oh, I didn't have time or it's because of this person. It's literally what is going on in my head right now that is preventing me from achieving this goal every time. And once you start yeah. thinking this way, it's a huge responsibility, but it's also super empowering because you start to realize that literally aside from maybe being you know astrophysicist for NASA and even that's probably possible but most things you just think huh that's possible that's possible and it opens up a whole spectrum it's a lovely yeah thing. it does it becomes the lettering in the rock it becomes your sort of default setting and where you go and you find that you bring that to everything don't you um I mean I shared with you recently and I think this is probably the first time I've mentioned it on my own podcast or at all publicly that I've given up drinking as in alcohol 
And I have kind of mentioned it because it, it didn't seem like it was a big deal in a way. But I realized it wasn't a big deal because I'd been thinking about it for quite a long time. And I was thinking about how was it serving me or not serving me? And why did I need it? And, you know, did I really need that glass of Chardonnay to relax in the evening? And was that really beneficial and bringing out the best in me? And I actually started being a speaker at like sober events and and just one day I just thought yeah that's it I'm done and it's actually been incredibly easy to be honest and very beneficial um it's like one thing I don't have to worry about uh, and I know I'll have clarity in the morning and I know I don't have to think about it and it's just freed me up in another way so and it makes me feel more congruent about how I turn up and deal with people and their energy. So, Yes, absolutely. And I shared with you when you told me that I haven't drunk in four, five years. I can't remember, four, five years. And I haven't looked back. I don't miss it. I never have hungovers. I can enjoy all of my Sundays. And in Sweden, you have to queue to a special shop to buy alcohol. <laughs> so you see people, yes, wow. it's called Sister Volaget. They don't sell alcohol in the supermarket. Wow. So every Saturday, there's a huge queue. People are spending an hour. So I'm like, I'm saving time. I'm saving money. I'm saving energy. And I have just as much fun in the evenings. And also, I think what's really refreshing is to not feel a sort of slight dependency on something for our mood so in the same way I don't drink coffee either and I don't need something to wake me up so it's like yes. not feeling dependent on any substance yes to put us in a certain state I think that's very very true um and I I started remembering things because when I lived uh, in the out island in the Bahamas and I was going through the cancer treatment, I didn't drink for two years because clearly I was being super brilliant. I'm going through cancer treatment. I'm clearly not going to put anything terrible in my body. I was literally a vegan, well, a fish eating vegan. I don't quite know what that is, but I was a fish eating vegan and we were growing our own vegetables and basically it came straight out the sea. So I'd eat it. And my body, you know, became a temple literally because I'm, I'm, I'm healing it to survive. And I then had a drink one New Year's Eve and I think it went straight to my head because I hadn't drunk for two years. And somebody said to me in this bar, oh, and I went, well, I haven't had a drink for two years. And they said to me, oh, wow, that's what you're like without a drink because <laughs> they'd only ever known me in those two years. And that was quite an aha moment because I think there was a part of me from my PR past that said it gives you courage, it makes you more interesting, it makes you sparkly, it makes you more fun, it makes you enjoy everything. And in that moment, somebody was saying to me, well, we know you as this person, so you don't need that thing. So I think you're right, you don't need it for that mood, either elevating that mood or, or down. So I know we're digressing, but I think this is really important. And I love it because it's about self-mastery as well. That's what I'm hearing yes. from you. It's yes. about self-mastery and it means you're congruent and yes. that, you know, your clients can turn up and know that you're walking your talk. And I think that's really, really important. Yes, I think that makes a huge difference. I know that all the coaches and mentors I've worked with, they also invest in training. They also have their own coaches and mentors. And it 
it sort of makes you feel like you're all on a similar journey. You know, when you when my clients are working with me and I talk about my own coaches, they think, oh, okay, she's going through a similar process. Yes. With different coaches, maybe on other topics, but sometimes similar topics come up. Sometimes I might say, well, actually six months ago or a while back, I worked on a similar topic myself with my coach. So they see, oh, okay, we're all work in progress, as Daya says. We're all also working on our own things. And it also breaks the illusion of this sort of perfect person. So I think sometimes yeah. people look up at coaches and mentors and think they're perfect. They've got it all sorted. It's mm-hmm. never true. It's an illusion and it's fake. And so it shows, okay, we're real people. We're just working on this stuff like everyone else. <laughs> Works in progress. But I, I think, yeah, what's important, because I'm obviously now populating my new group coaching course and somebody talked to me about the investment and I said yes I never stop investing in myself you know that's why I met you in that group so um, we are being congruent so Katie it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today and so I'm Rosin Palmer you've been listening to Monkey Business the podcast that really gets behind the thinking of high achievers who are kings and queens of their own jungle and my guest today has been award-winning high performance coach Katie Stoddard thanks so much Katie thanks for listening until the next time goodbye from me thank you You've been listening to Monkey Business Podcast with myself, Rosalind Palmer, and my guest this week has been Katie Stoddard. And Katie has told us and shared with us how being a coach is really rather like being a detective. You have to dig for the clues and rather like the best detectives, Poirot, springs to mind, Colombo. you need to be calm and totally present. And in being calm and present, that holds the space for the client, that also gives the clues to the client, transmits the energy to the client, helps them to be focused and grounded, and allow Katie, as a coach, to really lead them get the clues, lead them through the labyrinth of perhaps false thinking or their mindsets to create incredible outcomes, which is why Katie is an award-winning coach and one of the calmest, most wonderful and centered people I personally know. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Monkey Business. Do tune in again next week for a new episode.